0: Good morning. Good morning. Great to be with you, really is, and uh, so thrilled to hear and talking to Mark uh, just the back end of last week about what you're doing right now in terms of fruitfulness. And uh, God has called us all to bear much fruit for Him. And um, He was telling me that uh, He's already begun to open up uh, one of my most favourite passages of Scripture which is the upper room discourse. Uh, John is the only apostle that talks about this in John 14, 15, 16, what took place when he broke bread with his disciples before he went to the cross. And um, uh, whenever I read that, I I just feel I'm in a holy place because here is the the apostle, the sent one, opening his heart to people that he is called to be apostles. And uh, every time I open this passage of scripture, I feel like I'm treading in holy ground. This is just an honor to be an eavesdropper into what Jesus himself is saying to his disciples. And of course, it's in this passage of scripture, and I don't want to repeat what Mark has brought to you. I just want to affirm it. But the key to fruitfulness is this word that Jesus uses called abiding? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> he takes the imagery of the vine and says, I am the vine, and you individually are branches. It's really interesting that the fruit is on the branch. And so he set us up to bear fruit. But the only way that the branch can bear fruit is if it remains connected, intimately joined to the vine. And it's the life of the vine that flows into the branch that produces fruit. And just in case we're not getting his message, he gives this amazing one-liner, abide in me and I in you because apart from me you can do nothing absolutely nothing why because the branch requires the sap that comes from the vine to produce the fruit and any attempt of the branch to be separate and sort of strive and try to be pressurized about producing fruit it just won't happen what happens is the peace and the blessing that comes from connection results in more things happening by accident than ever would happen by design if the thing was separate so god has called us to connection he's called us to peace he's called us to partner with him that what is in him might pour into us and what is in us just simply supernaturally and naturally produces fruit so this this passage of abiding and fruitfulness is just so important. And what I love is this it seems like there's ever increasing realms of fruitfulness. Because if you if you're not connected, you don't bear any fruit. But if you're connected, you produce fruit. He goes on to talk about more fruit yes. and then much fruit. And then fruit that remains that there's a legacy to pass on to generations of fruitfulness that then just gets amplified down every other generation so that for the next generation, our ceiling becomes their floor and they go to a higher level. They don't have to learn the things that we had to learn. They get to receive it from us and they then can, in their own generation, pursue things that it's even at a higher level. And so this is God's intention, generational blessings just pouring down so that the subsequent generations get an inheritance that caused them to come at life at a higher level of supernatural living. And so fruitfulness only comes out of abiding. And this is how Jesus... Was. He didn't ask us to do anything that he didn't do himself. So I just want us to turn a few scriptures. Go back to Luke chapter 2 with me, please. Because what Jesus was speaking to his disciples here about, abide in me and I in you, this is what Jesus demonstrated with his father. And so he was inviting his disciples to come into a relationship with him and therefore with his father into exactly the same relationship he had. So Luke chapter 2. We pick it up in verse 46. This is the story of Jesus when he was 12 years of age. And uh, his parents hadn't realized that they had gone back to Nazareth and uh, he was no longer with them. They realized that he was back in Jerusalem. Verse 46. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Now, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, okay? And it says, did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? The word house isn't there in the Greek. So the translators in trying to make sense of this are put in words. And so you got the word. "affairs." You have business, affairs, business, things of my father, which is all about activity. And that is not what he meant at all. And so what it actually says is, did you not know that I had to be in my father? He was abiding in his father. This isn't about activity. This isn't a business thing. This isn't affairs. This is about intimacy. This is about being. This is about relationship, connection, belonging. He Was in his father. Now when you realize that he made this statement. Do you not know that I. Had to be in my father. What does the next sentence say. But they did not understand the statement. Which he had made to them. Now that makes sense. Because if he had said. Didn't you know I need to be in my father's house. That would have made sense. The temple was the father's house? Oh, I'm in the temple. But actually what he says is, did you not know that I had to be my father? And they go, what? Non comprendo. (laughs) So at 12 years of age, Jesus is demonstrating to his parents what it means to Abide. In his father. Mm -hmm. To live in in, a relationship of intimacy that where his father is and where the presence of the father is, he just longs and is drawn into that place. So here he is demonstrating as a 12 year old what he was telling his disciples in the upper room. You abide in me. He has lived his whole life abiding in the father. Let's go back to the upper room discourse in John 14. We pick it up in verse 7. Jesus says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father. You know, my father also from now on, you know him and have seen him. So he's constantly speaking about his father and he tells his disciples, you know him. You've seen him. And they go in again. What is he talking about? So Philip says to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen my Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father, abiding in me, does his works. So Jesus is the finest example of what he's talking about in chapter 15 of abiding, which is the key to fruitfulness. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, the works I do aren't my works. I am so conscious of the father living in me. I am in him and he lives in me. And what I do, I don't do on my own initiative, but out of intimacy and connection and relationship, I'm simply demonstrating to others what he is like and who he is. Now, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So just like Jesus was sent with the Father living in him and him living in the Father, Jesus intends for us to live this same kind of life. We're in him and he's in us. And the amazing thing is, at the same time, we're in the Father because our life is hidden with Christ in God. So intimacy with Jesus and with the Father unbelievably and with the spirit is the fountainhead it is the source of this fruitfulness because it's the life of God in us flowing out of us and so the more that I've thought over the years about abiding the more it's like a an never end in deepening pool. You never get to the bottom of it. And so abiding in him, allowing who he is for us to be immersed in him. Do you not know that all of you who were baptized were baptized into Christ? So my baptism was into Christ. I'm immersed in him. So in becoming increasingly immersed in him, I get changed by the environment I'm immersed into. Which is where the example of the dill pepper, or dill pickle, should I say, dill pickle, is is really helpful. Because you start with a Cucumber. Now all of us know that a cucumber tastes nothing like a pickle. A dill pickle. You with me? You're tracking. Do you know what a dill pickle is? Gherkin. That's the word we use. Gherkin. Thank you. So every gherkin, which has got a sharp taste which is brilliant on a sandwich with some ham, isn't that right, and some mustard, and some gherkin. It's a sharp taste. All those who'd like to receive this sandwich into your life, raise your hands right now. (laughs) So this gherkin, every gherkin starts out as a cucumber. And then you have this process of pickling. You have some vinegar some substance, some liquid that is appropriately a pickling mixture that you put the cucumber in, and over a period of 21 days or even more, there's this amazing transformation that takes place that what was once a cucumber ends up being a pickle. And once a pickle, it can't revert to being a cucumber. It's been so utterly transformed that it's got a taste to it. It's got this bite, kick. Yeah, there's a, there's a sense of, uh, you know, it's the robustness to a gherkin. You know, a cucumber can be a bit, okay, but a gherkin, is like, I'm here. It's, it's got a sense of presence about it, doesn't it? You know, wow, I've been in juice for 21 days and I want you to feel the juice. And so, in being immersed in Jesus, it's like a pickling process. There you go. And so, wh- however bland we've been, whatever our environment, our condition was, when Jesus found us, he goes, I've got great plans for you. H- however anonymous you little cucumber were, I have got designs on your life. And I'm taking you from there and I'm going to place you into my son, Jesus Christ. And he is going to pickle you, transform you, change you into be something that the environment around you knows you exist. You bring flavor everywhere you go. You no longer bland. You're a blessing. So I enjoy actually getting pickled. <laughs> in the Holy Ghost. And actually I feel better for being pickled once in a while, in fact, as often as possible. It's a good process to go into. Just, just engaging with him is just so, so wonderful. You know, we were, we were singing about joy this morning, and it's, it's not me trying to generate my own joy. It's, it's not about me asking somebody to tell me a joke. It's me immersing myself in who he is, because in his presence is fullness of Joy. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the God of Love. So it's not about me trying to manufacture something from within myself. It's immersing myself in his environment. The cucumber doesn't seek to create its own change. It just simply immerses itself in a different environment. And lo and behold, a transformation takes place by immersing myself, ourselves, in his presence, there's something of supernatural change that takes place where his nature gets infused into my nature and I become like him. So that is abiding in him. But that's, not, that's only half the story. The other half of the story is he wants to abide in me. In us, so the cucumber gets put in, becomes a a gherkin, a pickle, becomes transformed. But more than that, he pours himself in me, in in you, and also produces a process of filling, transformation, and because he's a God that is utterly generous in who he is he gives us more much much more than we can handle so that as we keep being filled we just inevitably pour out we can't contain it ourselves and therefore we become like him because he is so generous he keeps pouring pouring in and as a result we keep pouring pouring out And and this is where fruitfulness comes in. You simply allow what's filling you to pour out of you. And what pours out of you changes the environment around you. And it's all because of abiding, which involves intimacy, keeping connected. It involves unity, being joined. Who is joined to the Lord is One spirit, so out of relationship of intimacy and unity, a whole river of life flows out of us, whether it's individually or corporately. And it really isn't about me trying harder, it's about me living closer. It's not about self effort. It's about connected relationship with the one who is the source and his life pours into me so that his life pours out of me. That's what Jesus says. Don't you know it's the father living in me that's doing this stuff. Don't you realize that it's Jesus living in us who is doing his stuff. As we are connected to him, increasingly we become pickled, transformed, changed, and we get on his page. When you hang around him, he's so amazing that what's in him affects us. And one of the ways in which we are affected is that we get to feel like he feels. we see from his perspective. So fabulous. Because it means that instead of being trapped in Earth's perspectives, we get elevated to think from heaven's perspectives, which is a whole more superior way of seeing and feeling and thinking than being trapped into Earth's perspectives. And all this is supernatural because it comes by the spirit. The love is supernatural. It's not my love, it's his love. The peace is supernatural because it's not my peace, it's his peace. The joy is supernatural because it's not my joy, it's his joy. This is all supernatural. One of the expressions of this love that is so precious, and it's a word that I think it's so beautiful, is the word Compassion. When God revealed himself to Moses, he says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Full of love and abounding with loving kindness. And so compassion is the very nature of God. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that love him. Compassion is a primary heart motivation in God. So if Jesus is immersed in the father, guess what one of the primary motivations is in Jesus? Compassion. Because he so represents the Father. And the more we get immersed in him and he immerses himself in us, so our hearts get changed, get affected, so that instead of living earthbound in reaction, we live from heaven's realm in response. And compassion is a primary outflow of living in heaven's response. We see ourselves and one another through heaven's eyes, through God's eyes. Compassion is a key, such a key. I just want to show you some verses here. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, let's go there. In fact, I'll just do a few quotes from Matthew here, just to see, for you to see the pattern of compassion and what compassion does. Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. So there's all this teaching going on, preaching going on, healing going on, demonstration of miracles. And what was the motivation behind it all? Compassion. I want to suggest to you, and we'll pick up this thread in a moment and take it further, is that compassion is the trigger for the miraculous. So that the supernatural love that's expressed in supernatural compassion becomes the trigger for even more supernatural flow of God to take place. Because his is a heart of compassion if we are joined to him, if we're immersed in him, if he's immersed in us, what flows out is compassion. I think this is what society hugely needs, just compassion. Because people live in such harshness and such a sense of judgment and condemnation and compassion just cuts through it all, causes it to disappear like the sun rising on the frost on the morning like this morning, just let the sun come up that frost just disappears compassion causes what has been negative to melt away in his presence so i i want to suggest to you that compassion is the key is the trigger for demonstrating the supernatural in Jesus' life i believe is to be the same in our lives so let's just do a a run through matthew here matthew 14 a moment verse 14 when he went to shore he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick the healing of the sick was detonated by the compassion that he felt His heart went out to them and in going out to them, there was a release of supernatural power and the miraculous of God. But compassion was the fundamental underlying motivation that released the supernatural power of God. Jesus was not some kind of megalomaniac that wanted just simply to release power. He wanted his power to be an expression of his love and of his compassion. When we get connected to his love and compassion, then it's so much easier to release the miraculous in our lives, through our lives, into people's lives. That's why I love, you know, I love so many of Bill Johnson's one-liners, but one of the ones that I really love is this, where he says, not everybody I pray for gets healed. Just being very honest. But he says, what I want to do is that everybody I pray for feels loved. Where they encounter a man that loves them and that then opens the door for even more of God to be received by people. This is not simply a dispensary, you know, you put your penny in the slot, you pull the handle, you've said your prayer, I'm expecting the goody. This is a heart connection of love, of compassion, of, of emotion from Father that begins to melt our hearts that we can communicate it to people. And this is what produces much fruit. Yes. Chapter 15, please. Verse 32, and Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they've remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? Jesus says, how many do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. And he directed people to sit down on the ground. And as you know, he fed thousands that day. From what was a relatively small resource, what was the trigger? I feel compassion for these people. I'm not going to... This is not about me showing off my power. This is not about... Attention being drawn primarily to me. This is because my heart of love and compassion for the people that I want to bless them and to release heaven's multiplicated resources to them. It was compassion that was the the trigger of it all. Chapter 20, please. You're following my drift here. You're getting the flow. I'm giving you these verses simply because I want to underscore this. We pick it up in verse 29 of chapter 20. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him and two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Look at what happened. Moved with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. He lived so connected to his father that it was so easy for the compassion that was in his father to flow into Jesus and for that to be the motivation for what he did. He so reflected the father because it says of the father, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. What was the motivation for sending his son? It's love. It's a compassion for humanity that is separated for sons that don't realize they even have a father and they're orphans. And the compassion and the love of God feels, I must send my son who understands me as a father and is fully my son to bring these lost orphans into their sonship. So the father is full of love and the father is moved by compassion. And because the son so perfectly represents the father, when the son comes, he's filled with love and compassion that becomes the trigger for him dispensing the miraculous of people's lives being impacted by the presence of God. Jesus says, as the father sent me, so I sent you God intends for us to be bathed in love like the sun is bathed in love to be connected with who our father is in terms of his love and his peace and his joy so that that begins to fill us and overflow us and that Jesus is able to express himself in the 21st century through people like you and me that we carry him wherever we go, it's not about how good I am, that is not the issue it's about how awesome he is in us, that we let him loose, that we release him out of our lives that we serve we take the low place like he took the low place, we express compassion in our servant, We, we make it easy for people to receive we don't lord it over them we come alongside them and seek to serve them and in being Serve people, people are so ready to receive if you come with a servant, compassionate, gentle, gracious heart. Rather than a schoolmaster, this is what you need to do. That puts people's backs right up. But it's the servant-hearted compassion that opens up their hearts to receive. That's what he did to us. And this is the honor that we get to represent him in our world. And so, in being pickled in Him and being filled by Him, it means we can continuously grow in what's in Him. It's like there's a never-ending supply. Can keep drinking of Him, can pe- keep being filled and overflow with Him, so that who He is shapes our in a world that when we bump into others we spill over with the inner world that comes from being connected to him. I believe our Heavenly Father wants every person in this room to be kind to themselves. Why? Because he's kind to us. And that in being kind to ourselves, we cultivate his compassion toward us. It's great because I'm just feeling his compassion right now. It's just great. I mean, why would you, where would you, why would you want to live anywhere else than in his compassion, eh? in his kindness? Just so kind to you. He knows what you like and completely is besotted with you for crying out loud. He just loves you for who you are. He knows how we're made, but he's so kind. I really felt that what you brought, what is your name again? Anna, you spoke about the furniture, really spoke to me. Because tomorrow... We're having a new coffee table. Yeah. You forget about it. Be blessed. A new coffee table is coming your way, says the Lord. So. Yeah, we might pickle a gherkin on it. <laughs> this this coffee table, by the way, is is been around, and uh, you know our boys who are. Now, nearly 30, our eldest is nearly 30, used to run their little cars along this coffee table. So it's, it's like being in the family a while. And it's like, time we got a new coffee table. We moved house and it's like, let's get some different furniture here. That was that phase. And we're now grandparents. And so now our grandkids can run their stuff along the new coffee table. Is that right? No. <laughs> So anyway, we're getting a new coffee table. And, of course, what we're going to do is to remove what was once there, the old coffee table, to make way for the new. And I really feel that our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to carry anything in any room of our life that doesn't currently come out of his heart for us to enjoy and experience Lord I've had this for 30 years he says I know I want you to get rid of it <laughs> I'm quite attached to this kind of thing lord he says I know I want you to break the attachment so that you can receive the new yes. and in in areas of how we think about ourselves we can so attach ourselves to thought processes that never originated in his heart for us And if I don't feel about myself like he feels, then inevitably I will give people a second-rate expression of what God is like. Jesus gave a first-rate expression of what God was like because he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I believe God wants us To have the confidence to say, I'm not there yet, but to say this, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Without any pride, but just the confidence of I'm so pickled and I'm so filled that if you want to look what Jesus is like, have a look. This is the track he's got us on, to come into the fullness of sonship where we so represent the son. And then the enemy wants to give us thoughts like, that is so proud. That is so you being filled with pride. And it isn't. This is our father's intention because he intends every son, man and woman, who's born from above to be conformed to the image of his son yeah. Yeah. can you imagine what the body of christ is going to look like as it grows in this confidence that says if you want to look like if you want to look see what jesus is like take a look yeah. Yeah. this is the journey that we're on mm-hmm. but in order for that journey to take place it's getting rid of the old furniture There are words that have come to us, not from our father, but from some other source. And it's cluttering up the spaces in our inner world. And it's time to get rid of the furniture because he wants to give us some brand new words of identity, of destiny, of sonship. And he wants to pour it into us with love so that his compassion fills our hearts. So that when we're speaking to others, what comes out is the, simply the overflow of what he's poured into us. And, and this is the beautiful fruit of abiding. When we're in him, getting more and more pickled. And he's in us. We get more and more filled up. And overflowed to others. It is just so naturally supernatural. You bear fruit. So all the apple tree has got to do is just be an apple tree. Suck up the water through the roots. Allow its branches and leaves to be influenced by the warmth of the sun. It is destined to produce fruit. It doesn't have to think, now I've got to be an apple today, an apple tree today, because my role is to produce apples. It just simply is who it is and it inevitably produces. As we get shaped by what gets poured into us, we simply be who we truly are. We draw from the wells of salvation, we receive the love, the light of his love that comes, and the result is we produce fruit for God. And this is the call on us all. Now, I thank God by his grace that I have produced fruit. But I know for sure that any fruit that I've produced there's always more to come. Yeah. Yeah. And could I have produced more fruit in my past? Absolutely. But he still <coughs> loves me anyway. And so we could have all done better, etc., etc. But we're in a place today where God is saying, I just love you. Not because of you, primarily, but because of who I am. I just love you. I am love. I just poured it out. So you just loved Get over it. you love. <laughs> and in loving you, he wants you to receive this and receive the words of love. Because Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, it's being shaped by what comes out of the mouth of God into our hearts. It's allowing that word to shape our lives. Then increasingly, we're going to go from fruit to more fruit from more fruit to much fruit, and from fruit that is so established that it can be transmitted to another generation and it becomes fruit that remains. In his presence, I just want you to bow a moment. And I just want us to cooperate with his spirit and so he said to us prophetically this morning that he wants to get rid of the old furniture in the imagery of the vine he wants to get rid of the dead wood dead wood is that which was once productive it no longer is, and if it stays on the vine, it stops the vine producing what it should, and it cuts it off. He prunes it. He prunes every branch in me that bears fruit. He prunes. And, and by his spirit, he said to us today that he wants us to get rid of the old furniture. Any words of identity in you that haven't come out of the heart of the father. So they come with compassion and any word that hasn't come from the mouth of the father. And whenever it comes, it comes with encouragement. So any word in your life that hasn't come with compassion and encouragement, it's time to get rid of it. It's time to say, I refuse to have an alliance, a partnership, an agreement with this word that hasn't come out of my father's heart and my father's mouth. And instead, I break agreement with that word and I embrace what my father is saying to me today in terms of I'm loved, I am chosen, I have value, I am identified as a son who he loves. He is so thrilled that I am his son. And it's time to believe what comes out of the father's mouth and to disbelieve what the enemy has been seeking for for you to take a hold of for All this while past. This is dead wood. It is old furniture. It's cluttering up your space. It's time for that which comes from above to fill your space. And so, right now in this room, we break agreement with every negative thing that doesn't come out of the heart and the mind of God. We refuse to give it room space in our lives. We say, You have no place or part in our lives. And instead, Heavenly Father, Father, we open up to every word that proceeds out of your mouth and we confess everybody in this room today that we are much loved because we are chosen and called by you and we open up our hearts today to receive words of affirmation words of love words of destiny words of release of freedom words that bring fruitfulness not only to others but first of all into our our lives and so we reject and renounce the negative and we embrace and receive that which comes from compassion from love and which is fully grounded in truth and as we embrace what comes from you as we steward it guard it cherish it nourish it we say let fruit come in our lives First of all, for you, because this is all about you, Jesus. And then fruit that just spills over to one another. We bless every person. We bless every marriage. Bless every family. Bless every relational connection in this room that people have. Let fruit for God blossom and grow in every relational connection for the honor and glory of Jesus. Amen. 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 So cultivate compassion. Cultivate his presence. Decide that you're going to get even more pickled than you are. And let it pour out. In beautiful compassion to others. Okay, I'm done. God bless. We just appreciate Ian, what he brought. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone and we also have lots of fun in this house we definitely forgive we also do loud we give the best hugs we are family and in this house that means we love you.